All right, we're there in First Samuel chapter number 13. And of course, tonight we are in a series called Undisciplined. We started a brand new series last Sunday night. And we're looking at these different areas where people tend to be a little undisciplined. And uh, last week we looked at laziness. And uh, this week we're looking at the subject of, we're studying and looking at the, in the Bible to this idea of tardiness or being late or the lack of being punctual. Uh, over the next several weeks, as we continue through the series, we're going to talk about uh, being undisciplined with our words. We're going to talk about gluttony. We're going to talk about all sorts of things that have to do with un- being undisciplined. But tonight, I want to speak to you on this subject of tardiness or being late. And when we talk about being late, there's probably, I would say, the most well-known story in the entire Bible where somebody was late was this story, 1 Samuel chapter 13, where the prophet Samuel was late. Now, for some of you who uh, tend to be late, you're uh, a little relieved because Samuel's actually the good guy in the story. And, uh, but I want you to notice, I just think this is an interesting story. It's the, the most famous story in the Bible in regards to someone not showing up at the time that they were supposed to. Notice there in 1 Samuel 13 and verse 5, the Bible says this, And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude, and they came up and pitched in Michmash eastward from Beth Haven. Of course, we have Saul, who uh, his enemies are preparing to go to battle against him, and they are gathering uh, 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen. People as the sand is what the Bible says. And Saul's soldiers are fearful at this site. Notice verse 6, when the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, the word strait means in a narrow or limited passage or space, uh, it says, for the people were distressed, then the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. And some of the Hebrews went over to Jordan, to the land of, of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him. Notice the last part of verse 7, trembling. That is not what you want when you're getting ready to go into battle, to have your military men uh, following you while they're physically trembling. This is a bad situation that Saul finds himself in. His enemies are preparing against him. His soldiers themselves are fearful. And Saul uh, uh, felt like he was wasting his time because not only were the enemies gathering, not only were his soldiers fearful, but his prophet was late. Notice verse 8, 1 Samuel 13 and verse 8. And he tarried seven days. And the idea here, the word tarry means to take longer uh, than intended. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. The idea is that Samuel prophet was supposed to come and meet Saul, and he was supposed to help the people, bless the people, pray for the people, guide them spiritually and prepare them, encourage them to go into battle. But Samuel is late to the meeting. In fact, he's seven days late. The Bible says that, Paul, uh, that Saul tarried uh, uh, seven days. He 
he waited for seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered. So what does Saul do? He decides not to wait for Samuel, and he did something he should not have done. He did something that only Samuel should have done. Notice verse 9. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. See, Samuel was supposed to show up and uh, offer this burnt sacrifice in order to bless the people. But because Samuel was late, Saul decided to do it himself. The problem is that the Bible, the Word of God, uh, uh, forbade anybody but the Levites and for the prophet and for the, uh, those that were allowed to do this. And Saul uh, was not allowed to do this. He took it upon himself. Notice verse 10. And it came to pass. Now, I love how the, Bi- the Bible is because the Bible, it, it, it's, it's, it's so true to human nature. Isn't this always how it is? And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of, an, uh, of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. Isn't that true? Isn't that how it always is? Your kid growing up, you know you're not supposed to do something, your parents aren't home, and uh, you know, you've been debating it this whole time, and as soon as you decide, I'm going to just grab that cookie, and it's in your mouth, mom walks through the door, right? As soon as you make that decision, as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, and that he might salute him. And of course, uh, here we see that Samuel was the one that was late, but I do want you to notice that Saul is a very undisciplined man. Notice what he does, instead of taking responsibility responsibility for his actions and taking the consequences for his action, he begins to make all sorts of excuses. He begins to blame everybody but himself. Look at verse 11. And Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, here's excuse number one, because I saw that the people were scattered from me. And here's excuse number two, and that thou camest not within the days appointed. And that, verse, excuse number three, the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I, I love the words. I forced myself, therefore. I didn't want to. I just, I had no other choice. You know, whenever people tell you they don't have another choice, there's always like a million other choices. There's all sorts of things you could have done differently. He said, I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt Offering And here Saul makes excuses for his actions. He blames everyone but himself. And we see that Samuel was late. Now, some of you are a little confused. You're saying, I thought you were preaching about how it's wrong to be late. And I am preaching about that tonight. I'm preaching on the sin of tardiness and the sin of being late. In this story, we have the most famous story of somebody being late, and it's the prophet Samuel, and and Samuel's the good guy. I want to begin tonight by just giving you a couple of things just by way of introduction, a couple of things that we can learn from the story of Samuel in regards to being late. Before I get into all the negative aspects about being late, let me just say a couple of things. First of all, sometimes you're going to be late. It's unavoidable. Sometimes, and I'm not talking about uh, this should be a habit that you have, but even if you're a very punctual person, you're a very disciplined person, you tend to be uh, on time or early to everywhere you need to be, sometimes it's going uh, to happen that you're uh, going to be late. You're going to get in an accident. You're going to have a flat tire. You're, something's going to happen, and, 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 and you're going to be late. And so when, when I'm preaching about tardiness tonight, I don't want you to think that every time that somebody's late to something, they're in sin or they're undisciplined or they're not right with God because the truth of the matter is that sometimes you're just going to be late. 
Sometimes your flight's going to get canceled. Your flight's going to get delayed. Your flight's going to get uh, uh, rearranged. You're, there's going to be uh, unexpected traffic. There's going to be emergencies and things that happen. And every once in a while, we're going to be late. We need to understand that. E- punctual people from time to time are going to be late. Samuel was a good man. Samuel, the Bible tells us, traveled a lot. The Bible tells us that he, uh, that he had a circuit in which he would go and meet with people and perform sacrifices and minister unto the children of Israel. The Bible doesn't tell us here why he was late, but I'm sure it was a legitimate reason why he was late. Obviously, he's going into a battlefield. There may have been a reason why he was not able to get there when he intended to get there. And I want to begin by just saying this. Sometimes, sometimes you're going to be late, and that's okay. Every once in a while, something's going to happen that is out of your control, and you're not going to be able to make it at the appointed time. Sometimes we're going to be late. However, here's where it gets negative. You being late should be a sometime very rare event. You say, are you preaching about tardiness tonight? Are you preaching about anytime anyone's ever late? No. Because like we learned from Samuel, sometimes you're going to be late. But let me say this. There is a huge difference. There is a world of difference between the person who is normally punctual, who's normally disciplined, who's normally responsible, who normally is where they're supposed to be at the time they said they would be there, at the time they're expected. There is a world of difference between the person who's normally on time, and every once in a while, there's a, a, a big emergency or something outside of their control that causes them to be late. There's a world of difference between that individual and the person that's always late. The person who's habitually late. The person who's chronically late. The person, you know, you, you, you probably work with somebody like this, not for very long, I'm sure, but you know, uh, you have someone like this in your family, or you are the someone like this in your family, the person that you can just count on them being late. You know, you know what I'm talking about? You tell everybody else the event starts at 7, but you tell this person it starts at 5, so that maybe they'll make it at 7.15. You know, the person you can just count on. You, if, you, if you had to wager, you would just wager. They won't be there on time. They won't make it on time. That person is not the same as the person who's always punctual and every once in a while, sometimes we're late. Tonight, I'm preaching on the sin of tardiness. I'm not preaching about any random time that any of us may be late because that's going to happen from time to time. But I am speaking to individuals who are habitually, chronically, All of the time, it can be counted upon that they're always late. Maybe we talked about pride this morning. We said it's it's, it's not easy to see it in the mirror. I I think sometimes tardiness is not easy to see in the mirror, which I don't understand because you just have to look at a clock. But obviously, you're not good at looking at a clock if you're always late. So let me just help you out if you're wondering. I wonder if I'm chronically uh, tardy. If anyone has ever mentioned it to you, you are. If they've ever had to sit you down at work and say, hey, listen, you got, you got to start showing up on time. You are. If any frustrated family member has always said, why are you always late? Then you're the person who I'm talking to tonight. You're the person that needs this. 
But let me just say this. All of us would benefit from a sermon like this because we can all have the tendency to be lax from time to time. And especially young people, you know, young children and young uh, teenagers are right now forming the habits that are going to uh, uh, be the character of their life. And you ought to listen tonight as we talk about this idea of being late. So one thing we can learn from the story of Samuel is that sometimes you're going to be late. Here's another thing that you can learn from the story of Samuel, and I want you guys to hear this, especially you men. One thing we can learn from Samuel is that sometimes you're going to be late. There's no way to get around it. Samuel was a very responsible and successful man. I'm sure his tardiness was out of his control. It was a legitimate reason, and sometimes it's going to happen. Here's another thing that we can learn from the story of Samuel, and it is this, that um, when the boss is late, that's none of your business. You just worry about yourself. You don't need to be making, you know, well, Samuel was late. Well, Samuel's the guy in charge. You say, well, well Saul was the, the king. Yeah, but the nation of Israel was a spiritual nation. It was a nation of God. Samuel was the one running the show in the spiritual sense, and he was the one that was supposed to do the sacrifice. Let me just help you out with something. You make sure you're on time to work, and if your boss is late, don't, don't mention anything. Don't say something to him. Oh, I, I noticed you're, you weren't here at nine. Hey, he's the boss. You, you weren't around when he started the business, getting up at five in the morning, working long hours. You're not around when he's there late at night. You're not around when he's there early in the morning. You're not around when he's working on your day off. So make sure that your character is a character of punctuality and make sure that you understand your place when it comes to your boss. Because Saul should have just waited for Samuel. So, well, Samuel was late. That's between Samuel and God. That's Samuel's business. And don't get this idea, because I hope, I hope what we develop uh, at Verity Baptist Church is punctual people. Individuals that are on time and uh, 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 that, that you can count on them. But don't let that become pride. Because sometimes the boss is late, and that's none of your business. And you say, well, well he, doesn't, he didn't show up to work at the same time I showed up to work. Yeah, but he was working when you were off. He was working when you didn't know it. He was there before you got there, left before you got there, was there after you got there. He's the one that took the risk. He's the one that started the business. He's the one that got it going. He's the reason you're employed. So you just don't mind it when the boss is late. You let him do whatever he wants. He's the boss. With that said, let me give you some reasons why we don't want to be chronically or habitually late. Go to Philipp, uh, Philippians chapter number 2. We are in Philippians 2 this morning, and I do apologize for this. We're going to look at two verses again from Philippians chapter 2. It just worked out this way. They were the verses that I needed for the sermon, and maybe God's trying to teach us something. Philippians chapter 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. When, do me a favor. When you get there, put a ribbon or a bookmark there, because we're going to leave it, and we're going to come back in that area of the Bible. Philippians chapter 2. Why is it wrong to be chronically or habitually late? What's wrong with it? Let me give you three reasons tonight. Maybe you can jot these down. Number one, being late is inconsiderate of other people's time. You say, why, why don't I want to be late? Why, why, what's the big deal with being late? Here's what's wrong with being late. It's inconsiderate of other people. It's inconsiderate of other people's time. Philippians chapter 2, we talked about it this morning. Look at verse 3. 
Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. You know, the Bible teaches that we should esteem other better than ourselves, which means that we should be considerate. The word esteem means to ponder, to consider, to think about other people and what's going on in other people's lives. The Bible says that we should esteem, we should Think about, we should consider other people. Well, being late is inconsiderate of other people's time. See, people who are chronically late are not thinking about others. They're not concerned with others. They're not concerned with the fact that other people got ready and got to the event at the time they were supposed to, and now they're having to wait on you because you aren't thinking of them. They're not considered of the fact that other people had to move around their schedules. Other people had to start getting ready and had to start driving and had to get there. They're not considered of the fact that other people have taken the time to be where they said they were going to be. See, you say, what's wrong with being late? It's rude. That's what's wrong with it. Being late is inconsiderate of other people's times. And as Christians, we're commanded to uh, esteem other better than ourselves, to be considerate of other people. Notice verse 4. We saw it this morning. Let's look at it again. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. See, people who are chronically late are not thinking of others. And what this means, say, well, if they're not thinking of others, what are they thinking about themselves? People who are chronically late are self-absorbed. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just telling you the truth. Speaking the truth in love, right? I gave you like six weeks worth of warnings about the sermon. So nobody should be upset with me. You say, I'm chronically late. I'm, I'm habitually late. What does that say about me? Here's what it says about you. You're selfish. Here's what it says about you. You're self-absorbed. Here's what it says about you. You only think about yourself. Here's what it says about you. You're dead sure not thinking about anybody else. Anybody else's schedule. Anybody else's time. See, being late is inconsiderate. It does not esteem others better than ourselves. It doesn't esteem others at all. Other people's time, energy, resources, their life, and their, what's going on in their life doesn't even come into your mind, into your consideration. You say, what's wrong, what's wrong with being late? Being late is inconsiderate of other people's time. I remember when I was growing up, I've told you this story. When, I, when, when we were growing up, my brother and I would get picked up we went to a Christian school, and there was uh, actually the principal of the school lived down the street from our house. This was a private Christian school we'd go to, and uh, we, my, our fam- my parents had arranged it with uh, the principal of the school to give us a ride to, uh, to school every morning because he, he lived down the street from us, and he literally drove by our house every day on his way uh, to school. And the way that he would come is he would come down the main street, and then he would have to come down our street. We lived in a house that was maybe three houses into the street, and he would uh, come down this street, and, and, and if he wasn't picking us up, he'd normally just go, keep going, but if he had to pick us up, he'd come down this street, about two houses down, to uh, meet us, and we 
had this plan that he was going to pick us up at a certain time every day. And my brother and I were out there with our backpacks uh, right in front of uh, the house. And he would pull down the street, come down maybe two or three uh, 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 houses, and we would uh, load up. And then he would back up and turn around and go drive back maybe two houses down the street and get back on the main street and, and go to school. We did that, I don't know, for how long. We did it for a while. At some point, my parents got uh, 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 an idea or a way for the fact that this is what was happening. And I remember them sitting us down and having a conversation with us. I remember being a young kid and my parents sitting us down and my dad saying, this man, this man, this is a grown man, this is a successful man, and he is taking time to help you. He is esteeming you better than himself. He's taking the time. He doesn't have to pick you up. He's choosing to be a blessing to our family to pick you up, sons. So how about instead of you sitting there with your lazy self in your backpack waiting for him to come down the street, how about you meet him at the main road? How about you walk 30 yards or 30 feet down to the corner so he doesn't have to pull in, pull into the parking lot, back up and come back up? How about, I remember my dad saying, he, we should be as little of an inconvenience to him as possible. He said, if he doesn't even have to stop, if he can just kind of uh, slow down a little bit because he had a truck and you can kind of just throw your backpack in the back and jump in through the window, that would be great. You say, why would your parents teach you that? Here's why. To teach you that you should be considerate of others. That other people's time matters to them. And for you to sit there and waste their time is rude. Say, so what's wrong with being late? It's inconsiderate of others. It's inconsiderate of other people's time. You ought to consider the fact that time is valuable. We're going to see that here in a minute. You ought to consider the fact that wasting other people's time is rude. Say, what's wrong with it? Go, go back to 2 Samuel chapter 19. You were there in 1 Samuel. If you go back to 2 Samuel 19, what's wrong with being late? Well, number one, being late isn't considered of other people's time. Don't make him come down the street to you and waste another two minutes. You meet him. You be ready. And don't, you know, and, and, and our family's like, and it, it, dead sure don't ever make him wait. I don't understand this idea. Somebody's going to pick you up for something, and they got to go. They're doing you a favor to pick you up, and they got to pull over, call you, get out of their car, knock on your door, I'm here, and you're like, oh, I'm still getting ready. That's ridiculous. Somebody's doing you a favor to pick you up. You be ready. You be out there waiting for them. Try not to waste their time. Be considerate of other people. Say, Pastor, why are you preaching this? Because I've got to preach to you the things your parents failed to teach you. I've got to try to help you out. Being late is inconsiderate of other people's time. Number two, being late is irritating to productive people. Not only is being late inconsiderate of other people's time, but being late is irritating to productive people. Who's ever heard of a type A personality? Raise your hand. You ever heard of a type A personality? Okay. Who, who is a type A personality? Raise your hand. Maybe you don't want to admit that. I don't know. 
You may not be a type A personality. You say, what's a type A personality? It's a type of person. They're hard to describe. They're, they're very driven, and they like things done a certain way. They're usually attention-oriented, and, and they just want things done right, and, and, and there's, a lot, there's, a, there's not a lot of grace for, for lack of, uh, of, of, not, of not getting things done the, the right way. Let me say this. You may not be a type A personality, and I understand that, but you need to understand this. Most of your bosses, most of your CEOs, most of your supervisors, most of your pastors that you will have through your life will be type A personalities. It usually comes with the territory of being a leader. It's usually type A personalities that start businesses, that uh, start churches, that uh, get our our results-driven type people. And you should just understand this, because maybe you don't know this. You're in your little self-absorbed world just kind of going through life. Being late is not only inconsiderate of other people's time. Being late is irritating to productive people. Now, in 2 Samuel chapter 19, I want you to know there's a story. Here's the second most famous story of somebody being late. I showed you the first story in 1 Samuel 13 about Samuel. Here's the second most famous story of a man named Amasa. And it's a story about Amasa and Joab. Now, you should be familiar, if you've read the Bible, uh, with a character named Joab. He was the captain of the host for David. He was the general of the army. And whatever you think about Joab or say about Joab, you have to know this. He was productive. He got things done. He didn't always do it the right way, and that's also a problem with sometimes type A personalities. He didn't always do it the right way, but he got it done. David is replacing Joab with this new general, Amasa, 2 Samuel 19, look at verse 13. This is David speaking. And say ye to Amasa, Art thou not of my bone and of my flesh? God do so to me and more also, if thou be not captain of the host, that's what we would call today a general, before me continually in the room of Joab. Here, David is replacing Joab with Amasa. Now, I want you to notice when Amasa becomes the captain of the host, he gets promoted to this position of leadership, and he's been given a a place of leadership. He's given a task by David. Look at verse 4. Then said the king, this is David, to Amasa, the new general, the captain of the host, he gives him a task. He says, assemble me, the men of Judah, within three days, and be thou here present. He said, I want you to, he said, new general here, I just... Uh, I just promoted you to general. I want you to assemble the men of Judah within three days and be thou here present. He gave him a time frame. He said, do this and do it by this time. Verse 5. So Amasa went to assemble the men of Judah. But he tarried. Remember the word tarry means he took longer than he should have. He, He was delayed. But he tarried longer than the set time which he had appointed him. What does that mean? He was late. I want you to notice what Joab, Mr. Type A personality, Mr. Get It Done, productive personality, how he takes Amasa's tardiness. Verse 8. When they were at the great stone, which is in Gibeon, Amasa went before them, and Joab's garment that he had put on was girded unto him, and upon it a girdle with a sword fastened upon his loins in the sheath thereof, and as he went forth, it fell out. And Joab said to Amasa, 
Art thou in health? That's quite a question to ask right before you kill somebody. Art thou in health, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with the right hand to kiss him, but Amasa took no heed to the sword that was in Joab's hand, so he smote him therewith in the fifth rib and shed out his bowels to the ground and struck him not again, and he died. I want you to notice that Joab killed Amasa. Now, Joab did not only kill Amasa because Amasa was late. Part of it had to do with the fact that Amasa had replaced Joab with, uh, um, in the promotion of being a general. We understand that. But I want you to notice what the Bible emphasizes, what Joab does right after he kills Amasa, verse 10. Because remember, Amasa was supposed to go assemble the men of Judah within three days, and because he was undisciplined, for whatever reason, maybe a legitimate reason, or maybe not, I don't know, I just know this, when you first get a job, and when you first get promoted and when you're first given an opportunity, you better get it done. That better not be the first time you mess up. And here, uh, Amasa didn't get it done. Notice the last part of verse 10. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued after Sheba, the son of Bichri. Look down at verse number 14. They're pursuing after Sheba. Sheba is another problem, another enemy that David's dealing with at the same time. Look at verse 14. And he, Joab, went through all the tribes of Israel unto Abel and to Bethmechah and all the Berites, and they were gathered together and went also after him. Notice, Joab kills Amasa, follows Sheba, and does what Amasa was supposed to do and failed to do. That's a type A personality. You say, what can we learn from this? This is why your parents want to kill you. (laughs) This is why your boss wants to kill you. This is why your pastor wants to kill you sometimes. Now, I'm not saying that Joab should have killed Amasa, and I'm not saying that anybody should kill you for being late, but I'm just trying to help you understand that being chronically late is irritating to productive people. To people who actually value production, who actually value discipline, who actually value character, who actually value the fact that we're going to get something done, that what we're doing is serious here, we're not messing around, we're not playing games. To those people, you strolling in late with your Starbucks to work is irritating. To those people, you chronically, habitually being late is annoying. So why don't we want to be chronically late? Well, number one, because being late is inconsiderate of other people's time. Number two, because being late is irritating to productive people. Let me give you a third one. Go to Ephesians, if you would, Ephesians chapter 5. If you kept your place in in Philippians, if you go backwards one book, one book is uh, the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, if you kept your place in Philippians, right before Philippians, you have the book of Ephesians. Why don't we want to be late? Number one. Being late is inconsiderate of other people's time. Number two, being late is irritating to productive people. Number three, being late is irresponsible with your personal time. You say, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not bothering anybody. I'm just being late. Even if you're not, it's irresponsible with your personal time. You know that God has given you a gift every day? It's called time. You know that time has value? You know that everything that's limited has value? That's why gold is more valuable than rocks. That's why silver is more valuable than than dirt. Because there's less of it. 
Well, time, time is a highly valuable thing. Ephesians 5, look at verse 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly. Ephesians 5, 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly. That word circumspect means cautiously and purposefully. It means that when you take a step, you're taking a step on purpose. You're heading in a direction for a reason. You've thought about it. You're not just kind of, oh, whatever, just going through life. No, you're very purposeful in your walk. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, notice these words, but as wise. Now, what is it, according to Ephesians 5, that wise people do that is different than what fools do? Here it is, verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The word redeem has a financial idea. The idea is that something's being purchased. The idea is that something has value. The idea is that you can exchange money for it. You ever heard people say, time is money? You know, it's true. That's why you get paid to go to work. Someone's paying you for your time. Here the Bible tells us, don't miss this, that wise people value time. I mean, look at it. See then that you walk circumspectly, walk on purpose, walk purposefully, walk cautiously, not as fools, but as wise. What do wise people do? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. You know that wise people value time? You know that wise people realize that there's value to time, that time is expensive, that time is valuable, that we should redeem it and not waste it? Go to Colossians chapter 4. If you're there in Ephesians, you're going to go past Philippians into the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 4. Notice what Colossians chapter 4 says the same thing. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Notice the words. Redeeming the time. What does it mean? It means that you value time. It means that you see time as a precious commodity. It means that you realize that there's value to time and that we should not waste time. Let me explain something to you. Being late is irresponsible with your personal time because wise people understand that there is value to time. Now, I want you to notice the contrast. Go back to Ephesians 5, look at verse 15. Ephesians 5 and verse 15. The contrast is this, verse 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools. Here's the contrast. Wise people value time. What do fools do? They waste their time. Foolish people waste their time. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but if you're a grown man and you're spending hours upon hours playing video games, you're a fool. If you're a mom and you've been tasked by Almighty God to raise children for the glory of God and you're wasting your days on Facebook or Instagram or social media doing nothing, you're a fool. Foolish people waste time. Wise people value time. Foolish people don't see the value in time. Foolish people don't understand that there's value to time. See, punctuality or the lack of it communicates something about you. You know what it says? You know when you're, when you're constantly, habitually late, you know what people think about you? Here's what they think. You're a fool. You're not wise. You're wasting your time. See, punctuality indicates something about you. It indicates a couple things about you. First of all, it indicates competence. 
When you are on time, it shows that you try to be in control of your life instead of allowing circumstances to prevent you from doing the things you want to do. When you are somebody who's punctual, what that communicates to other people is, here is a wise and competent person. Now, obviously, when you're punctual all the time, all the time, you're on time, you strive to be on time, you strive to get things done when you're supposed to get done, and every once in a while, you're late because something happened, people look at that and say, well, we're all going to be late from time to time. Sometimes we just don't have any control over what happens. But when you're constantly and habitually, chronically, when people can count on you being late, everybody else is thinking, there's a fool. There's somebody who's not competent. There's someone who doesn't, uh, your lack of punctuality communicates incompetence. See, the type A, the Joab type people, and I'm not saying it's right that they think this way, but they think that person's so incompetent, they can't read a watch. They can't look at a clock. They can't figure out how to get where they're supposed to be on time. Punctuality indicates competence. Punctuality also indicates dependability. In a society where promises are often broken and commitments frequently ignored, people appreciate those who stick to their word. Dependable people earn respect from friends and family. Employers value those who arrive on time for work and meet deadlines. Dependable workers may even be rewarded with a higher salary and greater trust. You know what lack of punctuality communicates? You're not dependable. You know what lack of punctuality indicates? It communicates you're incompetent. This is not someone we can trust. This is not someone we can give responsibility to. When I was in the Air Force, as you can imagine, the military is big on punctuality. When I was in the Air Force, we were told that if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. If your appointment's at a certain time, you get there 15 minutes before that. If you're not sitting in the waiting place 15 minutes before that, you're late. You're wrong. I remember being in the Air Force and being an airman uh, and and having a fellow uh, airman that could not figure out how to get to work on time. One of the sergeants asked me, because I was obviously always on time, asked me to come alongside this young man and try to help him. And as I sat down and started talking to this individual, I became aware of the fact that the reason they could not show up to work on time is because they were staying up playing video games all night long. This guy showed up late. He showed up late. He showed up late. He got written up. He got written up. He got written up. It got to the point where they were going to kick him out. Discharge him from the military. Now, I don't know if you understand how the military works, and I'm not, I'm not saying this story as a recommendation of the military. I don't recommend any young person going to the military. I'm just telling you what I did. Just because I did it, I'll make it right. But when it comes to the military, you, if you're going to get discharged of the military, what you want is an honorable discharge. What you don't want is a dishonorable discharge. What you don't want is a general discharge. If you have a medical discharge because you were injured, that's okay. But if you don't have a medical discharge or an honorable discharge for the rest of your life, that thing's going to haunt you. I remember being 16 years old working at a subway, and a 19-year-old walked in who had a dishonorable discharge from the Army, and he couldn't get hired at Subway. 
I remember talking to this young guy and saying, you're going to get kicked out of the military because you can't show up on time to work. And it was just like, oh, you know, I just really like playing video games. You know, he got kicked out. He got kicked out. That's going to follow him for the rest of his life. He's not going to be able to apply anywhere. If you were prior military, everybody's going to want to see whether you got an honorable discharge or not. He won't be able to get a job anywhere. I've known grown men that had good jobs supporting their families, got fired because they couldn't show up on time. Punctuality or lack of it tells other people you're competent or incompetent. You're dependable or independable. It tells people that you're wise or you're a fool. What's wrong with being late? Well, being late is inconsiderate of other people's time. It shows that you're self-absorbed, only thinking about yourself. Being late is irritating to productive people. Productive people want to get something done. They value time. Being late is irresponsible with your personal time. Wise people value time. Foolish people waste time. Now, let me just talk for a minute. Go with me to the book of Proverbs, if you would. If you open up your Bible, just right in the center, you're more than likely following the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you have the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 27. I don't know if you noticed, but at Verity Baptist Church, we, we value organization, structure, timeliness. Somebody said to me recently, yeah, you can tell the church is run by a prior Air Force guy. We just, we just start on time. And we just like to run things well. You say, is that a pride thing? You know, you know the Bible says whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Amen. I, the Bible says whatsoever thy hand finds to do, do it with, all, with thy might. I just think if we're going to do something, let's do it right. If we're going to be somewhere, let's be there on time. If we're going to to, uh, put our energy into something, let's put our energy into it. Now, you say, well, uh, when it comes to church life, let me just talk to you about church life for a minute. Do you realize that it hurts you and it hurts us when you're late to church? You say, what? You realize it hurts you? And it hurts us. When I say us, I'm talking about the church as a whole. When you're late to church, you say, what do you mean? Well, it hurts you because you don't get to fellowship with other believers. Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, iron sharpeneth iron. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. You may not realize it, but the Bible actually teaches that one of the forms, one of the forms of discipleship is fellowship. One of the ways, every week I pray for our church, I pray for our church in general, and my wife and I pray through the uh, list of our church individually, and every week I pray that our church, that God would allow our church to grow spiritually, and as I pray that our church would grow spiritually, I pray that the Lord would allow our church to grow spiritually, that the preaching of His Word would help you to grow spiritually, and that the fellowship with other believers would help you to grow spiritually. Say, well, why would fellowship help you uh, uh, grow spiritually? Well, number one, because that's what the Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. But number two, it's not, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that you'll start being like the people you hang out with. Birds of a feather flock together. And when you, you say, well, I show up to church, but I don't show up on time, and I don't really talk to people or fellowship with people, that's hurting you. That doesn't help you. That doesn't help you grow in the Lord. It hurts you when you are late to church. But let me just say this. It also hurts us. Just in case you don't care about yourself, maybe you'd care about the rest of us. It hurts us. 
So how does it hurt us? Well, number one, we, we need to fellowship with you. Amen. It's not one iron sharpens one iron. It's they sharpen each other. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. When you don't fellowship with us, that doesn't just hurt you. That hurts me. That hurts the rest of us because we need to fellowship with you. Iron sharpens iron. But let me just take it to a more practical sense. You know that it hurts the impression that we make on the guest who show up to church when you're late? You say, I don't understand. Let me give you an example. Every week at Verity Baptist Church, we have uh, somebody who counts the attendances for the church. Uh, It's Brother Jose Cruz is the one who generally takes care of that task. And every week, every church service, uh, he... As soon as he starts getting numbers, he texts them to me so that I can know what those numbers are. And he texts me the initial number, and then when people come in after, he texts me more and more and more and until um, we have the final number. This is just an example of the text messages um, that I get. This is from Sunday morning, May 30th. Just one example. At 10.35 a.m., so the service started at 10.30 a.m. This was five minutes into the service. He's already been counting before that. At 10.35 a.m., I get a text message from Brother Jose saying we had 200 people in church that morning. Praise the Lord. 10.36, he says 203. 10.37, he says 204. 10.38, he says 206. 10.41, he says 211. 10.42, he says 212. 10.51, he says 223. 10.58, he says 229. 11.10, he sends me the final updated number, 231. Now, first of all, let me just say this. Praise the Lord that we had 231 people in church on Sunday morning on May 30th. I'm not complaining about that. What I want you to notice, though, is that when the service started, we started with 30 less people. We started with 200 people. 31 people were late to church that day. You say, well, why does that matter? Well, here's the thing. It hurts the impression that we make on guests when guests show up to a half-filled church. And I realize those numbers aren't half-filled. Don't you walk into a restaurant and look around and say, we're the only ones here. This place must not be that great. You don't think people do that about church? You say, what do guests need? They need you to fellowship with them. Galatians 2.9 says that we should give the right hand of fellowship. You know that guests need you to help them feel welcomed? Acts 2.42 says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's my job, to preach the doctrine of the word of God. And fellowship, that's your job. And in breaking of bread and in prayer. Say, Pastor, uh, we want the guests to, uh, when they show up, we want them to like our church and uh, to want to come back. Okay, well, here's the thing. I'll do my best to preach sermons that are practical and applicable and that connect with their hearts and that help them grow, and then you help me make sure they feel welcomed. You say, well, what's the problem if 31 people showed up late to church? Well, here's the problem. Studies say that the average guest decides whether they like a church in the first seven minutes. In the first seven minutes of their interaction at that church, they decide within those seven minutes whether the place is friendly or not friendly, whether it's good or not, whether if it's empty, if people are standoffish, if people are not uh, nice. The average guest decides whether they like the church within the first seven minutes. 
The average guests to church, this is what studies tell us, show up five minutes before the service starts. That means that the average guest on any given Sunday morning, because our service starts at 10.30 a.m., by 10.32 a.m. has already decided whether they like our church or not. The average guest shows up five minutes early, makes their decision within seven minutes, not within seven minutes of the service starting, but within seven minutes of them getting out of their vehicle, which means that usually the guests would show up at 10.25 a.m. If, if the service starts at 10.30 a.m., and by 10.32 a.m., they've already made a decision whether they like the church or not. You walking in at 10.35 or 10.45 doesn't help us. See, you being late to church hurts you and it hurts us. So how about just being punctual? How about just not being a fool and not wasting people's time and not wasting your own time? How about learning to take some responsibility for your time? Go to Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24. Let me help you out just by way of conclusion. How to be a person who's habitually punctual. Now look, if, if you're here tonight and you're saying, oh, pastor, he's preaching about me. Yeah. What, what else am I supposed to do? Get up here and preach about people that aren't here? You say, I, I'm the person that's habitually late. Look, I'm not mad at you. And I, and, I, and I don't know it. I'm not paying attention to when you show up or whatever. He doesn't tell me, brother, so-and-so showed up at this time. He just gives me a number. But let me just help you out with this idea. Because you can say, oh, Pastor, just, he's, he's angry. Oh, here's the thing. It, I care about you. I don't want you to get fired from your job. I, I, don't, I don't want you to, to miss out on the blessings of developing friendships within church. I want you to help us make a good... Uh, if I didn't care about you, I'd, I'd stab you in the fifth rib with a nut. You know? I'd, just, I'd get rid of you. or what, I don't know. We'd make you disappear. Let me help you with this idea. You say, I don't understand how I'm always late. I'm always late. I don't understand how to be on time. Let me help you with it. How to be a person who is habitually punctual. Proverbs 24, verse 20. I want, verse 27, excuse me. Proverbs 24, verse 27. Here's a key word. Prepare. Prepare. Prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field and afterwards build thine house. This is a proverb about preparation. The idea here is about a worker who's going to go to work, and the proverb is telling them, hey, before you get to the job site, prepare thy work without. Before you get there, make sure you have the tools you need. Make sure you have the things you need. Make it fit for thyself in the field. And afterward, build thine house. Don't just show up somewhere, oh, I need this, I need that, I forgot this. He, he says you should prepare to be productive. Well, the same concept works with punctuality. You should prepare to be punctual. You say, what does that mean? Here's what it means. You figure out when you need to be, wherever you need to be. You figure out what you need to do in order to get there. You figure out how much time it will take for you to get ready and get there. You work backwards from when you have to be there to when you have to leave. You give yourself 15 minutes, because remember, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. And you prepare. You just think. You just consider, you just esteem, and you decide, I'm going to strive to be someone who's punctual, who's on time. You say, I don't know, what does that mean? I don't know what that looks like. Let me give you an example. 
you know, this is what punctual people, by the way, this is what I just explained to you. I, I know, first, first, first of all, let me just say this, this. For those of you that are always on time, I realize that this sounds like third grade lesson. You're like, I thought everybody knew that. Well, obviously not everybody knows it. But for those of you that don't, let me just help you out with something. This is how the rest of the world thinks. Everybody who shows up on time, they just figured out when they need to be somewhere, what they need to do to get there, how much time they need to get there, and then they just work backwards. You know, I, I travel a lot. I, I'm doing this all the time. Let me just give you a very practical example. Let's say I'm traveling somewhere, I'm preaching somewhere. My flight leaves at 9.45 a.m. Well, I want to be to the airport an hour and 30 minutes early. So that means that I need to be at the airport at 8.15 a.m. But it takes 20 minutes to ride the shuttle from the car rental place to the airport. So that means that I need to be leaving the car rental place at 7.55 a.m. And it takes 15 minutes to drop off the car and do all the paperwork in order to leave the rental place. So that means I need to get to the car rental place at 7.40 a.m. It takes 25 minutes to get from my hotel to the car rental place. So I need to be leaving the hotel at 7.15 a.m. It's going to take me 25 minutes maybe to eat breakfast. So I need to be leaving my hotel room at 6.50 a.m. It's going to take me 35 minutes to get ready and packed to leave. So I need to be getting up at 6.15 a.m. And I want to give myself 15 minutes, a 15-minute buffer just in case something happens. So that means I need to get up at 6 a.m. That's how punctual people think. That's how people that are habitually on time to places don't miss their flights, don't miss appointments, don't get fired for being late. That's how they think. I don't know if you know that, but that's how they think. And that's how you should think. Amen. You know that church starts at 1030 every Sunday? Now, I would get it if we were constantly just changing it on you. It started at 10.15 this morning. Gotcha. <laughs> it always starts at 10.30. Sunday night always starts at 6 p.m. Wednesday night always starts at 7 p.m. You probably start work at 9 a.m. every morning. Or whenever you start, it's probably the same every time. There's probably the same amount of traffic every day at that time that you're going to work. There's probably that same amount of traffic every day. You say, well, but there was traffic. Yeah, but there's traffic every day. So how about you account for the fact that there's traffic every day, and if there's traffic every day, look, it's not rocket science, and I'm not trying to talk down to you. I'm just trying to help you out. If you're habitually, chronically late, figure out when you need to be where you need to be. Figure out what you need to do in order to get there. Figure out how much time it'll take for you to get ready and get there. Go to 1 Corinthians 14.40. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 14, 40. Figure out how much time it will take for you to get ready and get there. Work backwards from when you have uh, to be there to when you need to leave or get ready or get dressed or get up or whatever. Give yourself 15 minutes just in case and be punctual and be on time. You say, I don't know, Pastor. I don't, I, don't know. I don't know if I agree with this. Being late is inconsiderate of other people. Being late is irritating to productive people. Being late is irresponsible with my personal time. I don't know. Well, 1 Corinthians 14.40 says this. Let all things be done decently and in order. You know, the Bible says that everything, our, lives, our lives should be structured in such a way that they're decent and in order. They should be structured in such a way when people, where people can count, they can count, they can depend on us. 
They say there's a very competent young man. There's a very competent young lady. There's a very dependable uh, person. I can depend on them. If they're not here when they said they were going to be here, it must be a legitimate reason because they're always on time. The testimony of your life and my life, aren't we representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ upon this earth? The testimony of my life and your life ought to be this. Let all things be done decently and in order. And part of that requires that we be on time. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be punctual people. Lord, I realize from time to time we're going to be late. I get it. Things are going to happen that are out of our control. And we're not going to be on time. We understand that's how life is. But let it be rare when we're not punctual. Let it be rare when we're not on time. And let it be the norm that we're punctual people. Help us not to be inconsiderate of other people's time. Help us not to be irritating to productive people around us. Help us not to be irresponsible with the time that you've given us, time that's valuable. Help us to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We're now, Brother Matt.